Hi, I'm Jack Cacciarella. And I'm Aaron Parnas. And this is Zoomed In. On this week's episode of Zoomed In, Aaron and I start off by hitting the headlines, talking about Stacey Abrams' big announcement in the potential implosion of the Republican Party in 2022. After that, Aaron and I finish up, as we always do, with Tweets of the Week. Aaron, you ready for this episode? Jack, I'm so ready. So let's do it. Let's zoom in. So let's hit the headlines and talk about probably the biggest news in the past week, and that is Stacey Abrams is running for governor in Georgia for a second time. Now, that is huge. Jack, we love to see. what are your initial thoughts? Well, my initial thoughts are, let's go. Like, let's get excited about this. This is incredible. Okay. This is amazing news. It is Stacey Abrams running for governor. Uh, I think a lot of people called it the worst kept secret in politics, the worst kept secret in Georgia politics, that is. For a long time, we knew that Stacey Abrams was going to run. Uh, no one had come. No Democrats were saying that they were going to kind of letting Stacey Abrams take her time, get ready, prepare, uh, talk with her constituents and make sure it was something that she really wanted to do. And we are all incredibly glad that she is because we saw what Stacey Abrams was able to do in 2020 uh, in, in helping us elect two Democratic senators in the Georgia runoff and helping Georgia come together to vote for Joe Biden. Yep. I said it earlier this week, Stacey Abrams has been helping us for as long as I can remember. Now it's time for us to help her, right? It's time for us to show up in Georgia. If you can make a campaign contribution, if you want to retweet, spread the message, talk to people all over the country about Stacey Abrams, because Stacey Abrams talked to people all over the country, and most importantly in Georgia, about what Democrats are doing. So it's time to pay that back as Stacey Abrams has paid it forward. So let's get behind her. This is a this is a campaign that we can win. Aaron, what are your thoughts? Do you think that this is somewhere where Democrats should be excited and have hope to win in 2022? Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm honestly personally more bullish on Georgia and Stacey Abrams than I am even on Beto in Texas. I think Stacey Abrams really won or helped us win 2020. They helped us win, she helped us win the Senate seats um, in 2020 and then also the presidential. I think that Democrats in Georgia are more energized than they ever were before. And I think that's a big deal. Um, I think that the, in a lot of ways, it's like the fruits of her labor, right? For the past 10 years, Stacey Abrams has really been working to build this coalition of voters ever since 2012 to get to the point where a Democrat can win the governorship. And I think this is really a great juxtaposition between what we see on the Democratic side and what we see the hot ass mess that's going on in Georgia politics on the Republican side. But before we get into that, I do want to say that this Stacey Abrams running is really monumental because not only is she going to win, in my opinion, but she's going to help turn out the vote for down ballot races across Georgia, both congressional seats as well as state seats. Um, something the media doesn't really talk about is that last month, we flipped mm -hmm. 40 local seats in Georgia, Democrats did. And, that and, it, and it came what to, the number was 48 this cycle. Mm -hmm. state, state races have been flipped blue. Like, why are, why are we talking about this? Why isn't this being covered? Real momentum is behind us in Georgia, and, and that's going to that's gonna pay dividends in 2022. Stacey Abrams winning the governor's race, that would be monumental. And we know that if we want to keep our Senate majority and even go as far as to expand it, Raphael Warnock, that's a race that we have to win. 
And Georgia will be important in the future. So it's great that we're seeing Democrats turn out, Democrats build this infrastructure in Georgia. And it's just a promising sign that that can happen all across the country. We've said it many times before, if we could if we could clone people, we'd go to Stacey Abrams first and then we'd put 50 Stacey Abrams and we'd have them in every single state. Uh, you know, maybe a couple in, in some specific states, maybe we'd, be, we'd put a couple in Texas uh, just to be just to be sure, maybe a couple in Florida. Um, but this is big and this is her moment. Like you and I both believe, I think Stacey Abrams is really, really going to win. And, and part of that, something that you were alluding to was what we see with Republicans in disarray. Um, and, and Aaron, what's going on with Republicans in this gubernatorial race right now in Georgia? Well, as you know, that the current governor is Brian Kemp, who is a Republican. <laughs> Yeah, not a great Republican, but better Republican than like the Donald Trump Republican, because Brian Kemp actually went against Donald Trump and didn't try to decertify the 2020 election in Georgia. Remember how Donald Trump wanted him and Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state, to find 11,780 votes. Well, find those votes. Stacey Abrams. She's going to find those votes and she's going to win. Um, but a legal way. She's going to legally find votes. <laughs> legal way. Um, but besides that, regardless. Brian Kemp is the current governor. And just yesterday, I believe, um, Senator David Perdue or former Senator David Perdue announced his run for governor as a Republican against Brian Kemp. Now, that is very interesting because David Perdue was a very popular senator in Georgia for a long time. Uh, He served, I believe it was one or two terms. Um, He was elected by an overwhelming majority when he first ran and he lost last election cycle partly because of Stacey Abrams. And mm-hmm. Purdue announced his run fo- solely focused on Stacey Abrams. Focused on Stacey Abrams and focused on Donald Trump. And it was one of the worst political ads I've ever seen in my entire life. One of the worst I've ever heard. So we're actually going to go ahead and we're going to play that ad just because it was so tremendously terrible that we want everyone to be able to hear a little bit of a snippet of it. So here is a clip from David Purdue's launch ad. I'm David Purdue. I'm running for governor to make sure Stacey Abrams is never governor of Georgia. Make no mistake, Abrams will smile, lie, and cheat to transform Georgia into her radical vision of a state that would look more like California or New York. To fight back, we simply have to be united. Unfortunately, today, we are divided, and Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger are to blame. Look, I like Brian. This isn't personal. It's simple. He has failed all of us and cannot win in November. Now, Aaron, like he, he starts out by focusing on, I am in this race to defeat Stacey Abrams. We can't let her have control over our government like she has before. Now, this is all the radical right wing talking point. Never has Stacey Abrams had control of the of any elections in, in the state of Georgia. These are the far right talking points that are going to come up in this race. Um, they're they're rooted in the fact that Republicans are mainly afraid of Stacey Abrams because she is an incredible and strong and and, and powerful and passionate black woman, and so that's why they are terrified. Uh, they're terrified of her. They are afraid, and so they're going to continue to attack her. But what we saw David Perdue try to attempt to do in that ad is move even farther to the right than Brian Kemp, and that's uh, something that's going to continue to come up. And what we've seen in the current Republican Party. You saw after what happened with Lauren Boebert and her racist attacks against Representative Ilhan Omar, mm-hmm. there was calls for uh, committee assignments to be stripped from Boebert. And some Republicans were kind of hesitant to condemn her. You saw Nancy Mace 
representative from South Carolina come out and say that she was wrong in what she did. And now there are calls on the right for her to be primaried. Yep. It's this eating their own that the media has only portrayed happens in the Democratic Party when there's conflict in our party. Now, of course, we're a big tent party. There's a there's large uh, swaths of ideologies. But what we see in the Republican Party is either you are 100 percent committed to Trump. And if it's a 98 percent commitment, that's not enough. And we're going after you. How do you see that playing out over the next year, not only with primaries of, of sitting members of Congress, but potentially in a world where Republicans gain control of the House? How are they able to operate as a party if they're attacking over each other over allegiance to Donald Trump? I don't think they will be able to. And I think it's funny um, to kind of see how the pendulum kind of swings, because for the past six months, we were talking about how Democrats were in disarray. You had the progressives and the moderates battling it out constantly. Um, you had people calling to primary Kirsten Sinema in 2024. Uh, it, was, it was pretty wild. And many people were like, wow, Democrats cannot get anything done. And now you see the same thing on the Republican side. And the funny- and worse, thing, worse was, actually. But listen, no matter what political year you're in, whether you're in 2016, whether you're 2021, or even before, you see these divisions within the parties. I mean, you always see the loudest voices in the parties, whether on the left or on the right, causing problems for the rest of the party. Um, and, and it's a problem in my opinion. And I think the Republican party is really seeing it extra now with Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and all of them. But remember way back in 2012, 2010, when Obama was president, the Tea Party was doing the exact same thing for the Republican party. They were causing these same problems and they couldn't get much legislation done. And you saw Republicans lose the most house seats in, uh, in a while. I mean, I think it was over 60 house seats, one of those elections, one of the midterm years. So I anticipate the same thing happening here. I mean, I could see Republicans taking back the House this year just because of gerrymandering and, and you know. just the historical, just the historic precedent of what happens when a, when a president a party, he will lose seats most likely in that midterm. Correct. And, I, and, and that wouldn't be surprising to me, but come 2024 or 2026, I could see Republicans lose monumentally in the House because imagine if they take over, Jack, it, Who's going to be speaker? I don't know. Kevin McCarthy. Well, Matt Gates. Matt Gates yesterday floated the idea of maybe Trump could be speaker, which, of course, you are in-house counsel. You are our lawyer. Could you explain how that could possibly come about? And then we'll talk about like the political ramifications of is that even possible? Would that work out? Would Republicans be for it? Because there's a lot I want to get into there. But could you explain the legalities of that? Because I know a lot of people were like, Donald Trump's not running for Congress. How could that happen? Okay. So there's, in the Constitution, uh, there's actually no requirement that you have to be a member of Congress to be Speaker of the House. Now, there will be a ton of debate if Donald Trump or really anyone from the outside ever become speaker or is elected speaker by the House. And the debate's gonna be focused on whether the founders of our country back in the 1700s, whether they anticipated a non-congressman non to be speaker of the House. Now I would imagine the answer to be no, no. not anticipate that, but I can imagine a court holding, upholding the fact that uh, uh, because the constitution doesn't say it, it's fair game. So I, I think right now we have to be operating under the assumption that it is okay. For that it is possible. That is possible. Republicans have not shown a lot of, you know, care about what's in the constitution or what our founders have intended to happen within our government lately. So there's no reason for us to say, Oh, well, they're going to respect it there. Oh, yeah. dude, obviously we're going to continue with our norms. But what I want to bring up that I thought was so interesting in, in Gates pushing this idea of Trump possibly being speaker is that Marjorie Taylor Greene said something about a week or two ago 
when she was talking about her power within the Republican Party. And she said, myself and, and Gomert and Gates and Boebert and Tawthorne, like we are the base, right? Like the base of the party supports us. And you brought up the Tea Party and how they were the extreme voice. But that's the same with Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and, and Boebert and all those bad actors within the Republican Party. But what's different now is they are the base, right? The majority of Republicans, I will go ahead and say, supports them, right? A majority of the Republican Party believe that the 2020 election was stolen. They have power within that party. And the establishment Republicans that are either retiring or leaving or will get primaried or are just too scared to speak up, when they want Trump to be speaker or they want Marjorie Taylor Greene to be speaker, are they going to stand up? I, I think they will at that point. I think they have to and say, this isn't the direction really where we want our party going. And so for that reason, I don't think they have the votes to do it. I don't think Kevin McCarthy has any real power. He's a coward. He has no spine. And I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is, is so far right that even though the base supports her, I don't think that, you know, the establishment Republicans, I don't think she's going to get the sign off of Mitch McConnell, right? I know that's a House and the Senate, but like he is the establishment Republican. He's the one who wants control of his caucus that he's quickly losing. Well, here's that's why we're starting to see this. What I what I see is, is the beginning of the implosion of this party where everyone is jockeying for power so much that they're willing to box each other out. And in doing so, they will eat their own and destroy the party. I, I really think it's a possibility. And I think we'll see it start to happen in a, in a real way in 2022. I mean, I think it's possible. I don't. I don't necessarily agree that their party's going to be the party's going to implode or the the GOP is going to not exist anymore. I, I don't think it's going to go that far because I think we've seen these divisions historically, whether it's the Tea Party or even before. It, it happens. It's a little greater now, but it, it happens historically. And I I, I I personally don't think the majority of the Republican Party actually supports the QAnon caucus, Marjorie Taylor Greene and them, because I think the majority of the Republican Party doesn't think that they're part of the Republican Party right now. I think the majority of the Republican hmm. Party is that establishment base is. Um, the kind of the more moderate center, center right wing of the party. And I think that is still the overwhelming majority of the party. And unfortunately, many of them and many people I've spoken to who identify as center right, like the Kinzingers, like even more, even like Liz Cheney, um, they don't know, they don't really have a place anymore. And when you look on Twitter and when you look online, you would expect, oh, yes, it's either you support Marjorie Taylor Greene or you support AOC. There's really no in between. Right. And if you denounce either of the two, you're a bad person, um, either on the left or on the right. But in real life and day to day life, 90, not 90, I'm saying like 70 percent of the population is really in the center left or the center right. And it, just as many Republicans don't like Marjorie Taylor Greene, many Democrats don't like the squad. And I think it's important to recognize that the fringe elements of both parties and recognize that the loudest voices in these parties may not be the overwhelming majority of the voices or may not be the most popular voices. And I think you have 20% of the country that's constantly screaming and yelling. That 20% of the country never gets anything done, only screams and yells, only causes problems for the the, the 80%. Um, and is the only, th the only thing that the media actually picks up on. So... I don't think that the majority of Republicans are the Marjorie Taylor Greens. I do have hope that there are many rational Republicans out there. And I, and I also, like I said, I, just because I'm okay with debate, 
just because I believe. And, and, but the divide there that we see is that it's not a debate over policy. The problem with Kirsten Cinema and why there was the proposition of a primary is that she wasn't falling in line with what the overwhelming majority of not only Democrats, but people in her state wanted. So that's a, that's a discussion on policy and changing things and getting things done. You know, it's an ideological divide. But what you see in the Republican Party is it's either pledge allegiance to Trump or get out. Right. And that's a completely different story. That's why I see the implosion, because I, I don't think Republicans are going to want to go along with Trump if they're saying, well, Trump's going to make me lose my seat. What happened when Donald Trump became president? He lost the presidency. He lost the House. He lost the Senate. So if they're saying I'm not going to follow along with Trump because Trump's a loser and he's going to make me lose, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to try to grab some power. If I'm Ron DeSantis saying I don't want to go along with Trump, I want to try to grab some power because that's what they care about. And so that's where I see the fighting is that we are not going to stay along with Trump anymore. That's not a winning strategy for me, someone who doesn't have any ideology, speaking as you know, a Republican congressman, they'd be like, oh, I don't have any ideology. I just want power. So if Trump's not going to get that for me, well, then why should I stay with him? And that's where I see the fighting start to happen. You're 100% right. And I think that there will be a lot of infighting. I don't know if it'll, like I said, I don't know if it'll go to the level of complete implosion, but I do think that this infighting is going to cost them in 2024 and beyond. I don't think it'll cost them yet. I do as well. Because I don't think we've seen, they, they don't have power yet. I think they need to get power. Um, I don't want them to get power, but I think unfortunately they will in some, in some cases, in some seats. And once they have that power, they won't do anything with that power and they'll only obstruct themselves. It's going to be really funny and really sad for the country to watch. Um, but right now, if the Republicans somehow win 2022, I don't know who their speaker is. And that's not because I don't think... Um, like Kevin McCarthy right now is in line to be speaker. It's because I don't know who has the votes to be speaker. McCarthy doesn't, Green doesn't, Trump doesn't, no, no. one has the votes. So in a situation, and I said this last episode, in a situation where Republicans have, say, a, even a 10 vote lead in the House, I, I don't see Kevin McCarthy winning by 10, uh, by losing. I don't either. He doesn't have the support. Either. And that's what I'm saying is I just don't think any of them have the support. And, and it's not even just that, it's that they don't want it for themselves, right? Like they're chasing after it. So if they see McCarthy as weak, they're like, well, then I'll take over. But then someone else wants to take over for them. And it's just this cycle where there's no real establishment. There's no real leader. It's just follow along with Trump. But Trump is such a moronic political mind that he couldn't get anything together if he wanted to. And that's why I see potential for this thing to burn out and fail. And in, and in the crazy nut scenario where Donald Trump becomes, does become speaker, I, I think that's a really clear message that Republicans are so radical and committed to this guy that they will obstruct, they'll obstruct any sense of, you know, what has been precedent with having a normal speaker. You know, they'll do anything they can politically to make sure that they're serving him and nothing will get done. So they're so radical and focused on helping their rich friends and helping Donald Trump that they don't care about the American people. And I think that's a message that really makes sense, because, you know, what we know is that independent voters largely are focused on which candidate is the least radical, right? Joe Biden won because he was able to communicate to people that I was going to return us to a sense of normalcy, right? People were done with Donald Trump. I think people are still done with Donald Trump, right? That's why it's such a powerful message. Now, it didn't work in Virginia because Donald Trump really wasn't around. And you didn't see that much Donald Trump and Glenn Youngkin. 
But if Donald Trump is the Speaker of the House, and if Donald Trump is everywhere you go in every single congressional race, mm-hmm. if every single Republican primary is about who can praise Trump the most, who can walk around with the Trump shirt, the Trump cutout, you know, I, I don't know. Like, that's got to do damage to those people. But they have to do it to win their primaries. That's why I'm saying Donald Trump is a losing strategy that Republicans need to abandon, but they won't. And that's why I have confidence that, you know, the political outcome might not be as scary as we think. Listen, I I, I hope your confidence is right. Jack, with that, we've hit the headlines. Now let's jump into our next segment, which is Tweets of the Week. Let's do it. Aaron, if you are looking for ways to save some time during this hectic holiday season, I suggest you skip your next trip to the post office and try stamps.com. Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. And Jack, whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Going to the post office instead of using Stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just going up floors, sure, take the stairs. Walking up 30 flights a day, well, you could use a break. You spend more time than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, Stamps.com is for you. You'll save so much time and money, and you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. Yeah, absolutely. So save time and money this holiday season with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code zoomed in for a special offer that includes a includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter code zoomed in. And now it's time for Tweets of the Week. Aaron, our first tweet of the week comes from CBS News. It's a tweet that says, President Biden told a nine-year-old girl her stutter doesn't define her. Now her mother says she feels so empowered. That's awesome. It's awesome to like have a president that cares uh, and that's actually impacting people's lives in a positive way. So thank you, President Biden. Our next tweet comes from I'm Speaking 13. Kate, Kate says, Brian Kemp's got 99 problems and they're all named Stacy Abrams. <laughs> yeah, they are. You better believe it. Get worried. You should be scared, Brian Kemp. And our final tweet comes from Dan Pfeiffer. Uh, you know, Devin Nunez just decided he was going to retire from Congress and will most likely be taking a job with the Trump media group. Uh, and so Dan Pfeiffer congratulates Devin Nunez by saying, congrats, Devin Nunez on his fake job at a fake company that definitely won't lead to being fired or charged with a crime, or both. When you get in bed with Donald Trump, you usually end up in prison. So best of luck, Congressman, uh, and hope to see you behind bars one day. And that is Tweets of the Week. (laughs) 
And that is our show. Thank you so much for zooming in with us. If you are listening on a Wednesday on the podcast, that is awesome. If you are catching us live on Thursday, that is just as good. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you for tuning into the show. Um, our family, our Zoomed in families get a little bit bigger every week. And that's because y'all are sharing it with your friends. You're, you know, you're sharing the link or you're, you're telling someone about it. And we really appreciate that. Uh, and if you want to tell us about how you feel about the show, you want to tweet at us, Aaron, where can the people find you? Anywhere at Aaron Parnas, A-A-R-O-N-P-A-R-N-A-S. What about you, Jeff? You can find me on Twitter at J.D. Cacciarella. That's J-D-C-O-C-C-H-I-A-R-E-L-L-A or Jack Cacciarella on TikTok, or you can hear me calling out Matt Gates. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. <laughs>